that God had in mind when he said, let us make man in our image. I'm looking forward to being that person. But he's saying that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead while I yet walk on earth. Now, this is high. This is high. This is the goal that he was talking about. No, he wasn't singing that song. What is it about? You know, just in a little shack in heaven. You know, no. He was pressing toward one of those thrones. Hallelujah. The heavenly call. What do you think those thrones are for? What do you think those thrones are for? Why does God need them filled? Because of the ages to come. Because of the, what he has planned. The ages to come. We need a heavenly perspective. You know, man, Adam was not made for heaven the first Adam he was of this earth earthy now God gave him his eternal life was he would treat, eat from the tree of life and he would live on this earth but it took the second man Adam the second man Adam to bring us into the fullness and open up the glory of God and heaven to us. Hallelujah. Living forever as the person that God designed you to be from the very beginning. What he had in mind. One day I had a revelation of this. I saw Jesus. Just a little quick little mini vision. I saw him after he rose from the dead. And he appeared before God and he had this big bowl in his arms and it was like I was seeing him from the, he was facing the father he was presenting it to the father and in that bowl was his blood was his blood he was offering his body and his blood unto God and I'm telling you the celebration I saw in the Godhead. This was a perfect sacrifice. Perfect in every way. Nothing needs to be added and nothing taken away. Perfect. And it showed, and I, I thought for a moment because there was such a celebration in the Godhead. Not just the angels and all, but I'm sure they were too. But my focus was in the Godhead. It was like we did it, you know, we did this. Now we can bring man into the fullness. And it was such a celebration. And I realized as the Father was gazing at Jesus that the man, when he looked at Jesus, it was this man, this one, that was the perfect man, not the first Adam. Even if he hadn't fallen, he was not the perfect man. This man, Jesus, 
is the perfect man. Hallelujah. So, the passion of Paul. And my testimony, I want to tell my testimony of what I'm doing. But let me finish reading this passage of Scripture. Verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Wait, I skipped the Scripture. Not as though I had already attained. This is verse 12. Either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Amen. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what he said is how you become perfect. He didn't hadn't attained it yet, but that's what he did. Now, these words are studied out, this little passage, this I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The, the pressing is the word running. If you look it up, running. This is a race he's talking about. He's running. The mark is the goal line. And the, and the prize he's talking about is what you, you the award rewards you, you uh, after the race, after you win the race, or after you, you finish the race, is the reward. Hallelujah. So... So if we put this in terms right now, I would say the running is our pressing, pressing into this perfection. The mark, the goal line is the will of God, is the will of God. And the prize is the eternity that we inherit. You know that we're more than conquerors in Christ. We are more than conquerors how can you be more than conquerors just being a conqueror but it has already been done for you and what you get and have that heavenly reward is is what you should desire very greatly you should desire more than anything to stand before him for those words that he he we trust he's going to say to you well done my good and faithful servant, enter now into the joy, the joy of our Father. It's his pleasure to give us the kingdom, and it is a gift, I'm telling you. So this is what Paul did. This is what he did. When I would read this, this would mean so much to me, and I decided when the Lord spoke to me, about perfecting my doctrine. I didn't know there was anything wrong with my doctrine. Perfecting my heart. I didn't know there was anything wrong with my heart. I thought I was doing pretty good if I would have evaluated the situation. But he's the judge of all, right? (laughs) And um, this is what he instructed me to do. So 
This, the, right, I wrote this. You can take your pieces of paper out here. And we can turn to this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's turn there. 2 Corinthians 5.17. And uh, let me read it. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen? When I was reading that scripture one day, it was after the Lord had spoken to me to purify my doctrine. Um, when I was reading this, I got an image of this little chart. Now, I, the idea really came from my husband who was teaching in a Bible school. He was teaching grace versus law, the law of Moses, the law of Moses versus grace, right? Right. And so uh, he had the law and all the things that pertain to the law on one side, and then on the other side he had everything of grace. And, you know, that scripture, he used that scripture in John, um, in John's gospel that says, uh, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Can you see the contrast? Okay, there's contrast. Well, I saw that same contrast in this scripture right here. And so I decided, well, I'm going to draw this cross, and I saw it as a cross, so I put Jesus on the cross. And in, the, in that scripture, I put old things on one side and I put new things on the other side and I thought um, wow um, you know I wasn't even thinking about the instruction the Lord gave me so much I didn't think about it till after this was kind of going on in my heart and mind so as I read through the letters the New Testament a lot of the teachings of Paul I began to see these contrasts these contrasts, I begin to see, well, we know this one. This one is right here. The one I have on the first list, it says sin. And on the, the old thing is sin. And the new thing is righteousness. Because Jesus didn't take anything in his body. All these old things, the reason they passed away is because they were in the body of Jesus when he went to that tree. When he went to that cross, these things, the old things, he carried the old thing in his body. He was himself an old thing. He said, as scripture goes on to say, he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin. So he represented on the cross all of these old things. He embodied them. Amen. And guess what happened? When he died... What happened to the old things? They died. They died. When he died, they died. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people, when I show this chart, I see the light bulbs come on. Many people, well, they came up to me, they would come up to me after the teaching, and they would say, 
I knew he took these things in his body on the cross. But what I didn't know was that he made new things. There's not one old thing that he took to the cross that he didn't give you a new and better one in the resurrection. Hallelujah. This is the power of the resurrection. All new things. And you know we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. It's not just you've been made new. People have been made new. It's not just humanity. What else? It's a new heaven and the whole creation. He took the whole creation in his body. He could do that because he made it. Yes. He could do it because he made it. This is why Adam could never ascend to this. People talk about Adam and the glory and that he had glory. No, he was not glorified. No. Now, the angels are glorified. The angels are glorified. They were made in the glory of God. But when they fell, guess what? There was no redemption for a fallen angel. But guess what? He put us into this natural world so that sin and death could be overcome so that that overcomer that captain of our salvation could bring us in to glory. Hallelujah. And we will be glorified. And there is a part of you, if you're born again, if you've received Jesus, there is already a part of you that is glorified. It is your spirit. Hallelujah. God promised the Old Testament Jews that he would give them a new spirit, a new covenant. He would give them a new spirit. Hallelujah. And he did that through the cross of Jesus Christ, who became a curse on the cross for the rebellious Jews that could not keep the law. But for the Gentiles, who were never under the law, not the blessing or the curse, but were under the law of sin and death, he overcame that also. Hallelujah. So Jews and Gentiles alike can come into this one body, one new man, the new creation, a species, a being that has never existed before. Hallelujah. This is the new thing. Oh, if we would just live like we're new creations, like we believed it. Oh, I tell you what, studying in the depths of this, I tell you it perfected my doctrine and the way I think. It changed the way I think think justification some of these i go down this unclean and clean remember when he that sheet came down and um all these living creatures were on that sheet and it came down and paul said and and, and the lord's instruction came to him you know rise peter kill and eat 
And what did he reply? Oh, no, Lord, I'm not going to eat anything that is unclean. Why was he saying that? The law of Moses. There was a law in the law of Moses. But God was trying to show him and get him out of that Old Testament thinking. And so he said, kill and eat. Now, I'm from Louisiana now. (laughs) And I tell you, I bet what was on there was some crawfish. Some crawfish. (laughs) Some crawfish, yeah. Yeah, I guarantee. Amen. Um, And alligators, you know. (laughs) All kinds of creatures. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. That was a strong, imperative command for him, which Paul had to correct him later because he was given in to the law and he was uh, being very clannish and starting to eat with the Jews and separating himself from the Gentiles. And they had, he had to be corrected. He had to be corrected. Now, I'm going to show you some things that he showed me. Now, I have on this, I have on this list, if you look like the dietary laws, you look down under the law of Moses, the dietary laws, and the new, test, the new thing is what? We can eat all things. We can eat all things. Um, what the modern church does is not so much go back into the law of Moses, but remember the Gentiles were under uh, the law of sin and death. What we do, what, what we do in the church that we don't have this revelation here, we don't have the revelation of the new things, We spend our time trying to fix the old things. Jesus didn't fix the old things. He didn't patch up Adam. No. And Adam died in Christ, and there's a new Adam on the scene. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? There's a lot of liberty in this. Well, I didn't realize is, you know, I, my husband and I have been, I was set free from a very legalistic situation in my life. This was years ago. And grace, we started learning about grace. And Paul's gospel of grace was so liberating. I tell you, if you go back in some of those Bibles I had, just my pages were Ephesians and Colossians and all those little books are just stained with because it set me free. I was in a lot of bondage and I had been condemned by leaders. And it was not right of them. It was not right. They were wrong. They were just wrong. Now, so when the Lord spoke to me to... It, it, it was not that I wasn't on the right track to begin with. It was just that he wanted to go deeper with me. He wanted me to understand. And I did desire to be a great minister. I really did. Not, 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 but first of all, a great Christian. Just a great Christian. Hallelujah. So I want you to turn to First Timothy 
hallelujah, and the third chapter of First Timothy. And I, this, is, this reveals a little bit more about the, Paul, uh, the passion of Paul. What did he consider a good minister? Um, what did he consider as a good minister? Okay, let's see. When you find one T, you found them all. <laughs> okay, so the third chapter. No, excuse me, the fourth chapter. And since we talked about food, this one is one where he talks about food. And you have to remember the, uh, like I said, they were, un- in, they were under the law of Moses and there were dietary laws. There were certain meats that they could not eat because they were considered unclean. But that's one thing he did in the resurrection is he made the animals clean. What else can you say? Because he told Peter in that, in, in that correction, because he showed him that sheet three times and gave him that command three times, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Peter, every time, he said, no, Lord, I'm not going to eat. That was unclean. And what did the, the Lord say to him? He said, don't call unclean what I have called clean. So how did they get clean? It had to be the resurrection. The new things that came about in the resurrection. The justification. Justification came upon all men. There were no longer Gentiles that had to be made. They were clean too. These nasty old Gentiles eating all these pigs. You know, the Jews considered them. They were jealous of them, one thing. And they were jealous of them when the Holy Spirit started coming on the Gentiles. These nasty old Gentiles. But that was right behind that is after that sheet came, someone came from Joppa and Peter was instructed by the Holy Ghost to go with those men. And it was the first time it was Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Gentile. And it was the first time that the gospel was preached to the Gentiles. And the Holy Ghost, while Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell. And these nasty old Gentiles, (laughs) unclean, we're getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it was a fulfillment of everything God had promised them. They would get a new spirit. Hallelujah. A new creation. A new creation. Now the scripture says it doesn't matter whether you're bond or free, no matter what gender you are. You know, we weren't qualified to be priests. Women weren't qualified to be priests under the Old Testament. But what the new thing, the old thing was the Levitical priest, and the new thing is the Melchizedek priest order, order of priest. And Jesus is a member of that order. And guess what? So are you if you're born again. And that's all that matters. It's not... Um, whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're Jew or Greek, all that matters is the new creation. Are you born again? Are you born again? Do you have a new recreated spirit? 
I tell you what, if you do, my Lord, this is the revelation. This is the revelation. This gospel will change you, will absolutely change you. It changed me. The deeper I get into it, the more of these contrasts that I see the between the old and the new, the old and the new, the old and the new, the freer I get. One of the things that um, my precious sister was saying at the beginning of the meeting, you were talking about all the good things God does and he is. One thing, liberty. The truth will set you free, will make you free. Every revelation I get, the deeper I go in this, it straightens out my thinking, my old way of thinking. You know, it's not the, the, the modern church necessarily goes back to the law of Moses, but they certainly, we make laws unto ourselves. We make new laws out of ones that shouldn't be laws at all. I mean, the obvious ones, and you'll know, agree with all these, are the, if a woman cuts her hair, she will go to hell. The dress codes that are laws that determine whether you go to hell or not. That's not God. That's not grace. That's law and legalism. It's not the law of Moses, but it's law nonetheless. You, maybe you are guilty of this. I was, and this is some of the stuff that he had to straighten out of me. I would make laws unto myself. Let's just take one. I'll just use this as an example since we brought up food. By the way, I didn't read that scripture yet, but I'm, about to, I'm going to read it. But about food, um, I have lost a lot of weight. <laughs> and, um, but I struggled with weight and problems with my health because of the weight. And, um, I mean, I tried diets. I tried everything that, I, that you could. I just couldn't seem to stick with the diet. I couldn't seem to perform it. But once I made an agreement to do a diet, I, I, not that God was in on my, my, my planning, okay? Because to tell you the truth, when I look deep inside of myself, this is part of getting my heart pure, okay? I didn't want God to tell me how to eat. I liked the way I ate. And I thought, I really thought that he would tell me that I couldn't eat something. That's what I thought. I really did. Down deep inside. That's what I'm talking about, getting your heart right. So in my own efforts, I'd try to lose weight. I'd try to diet. And nothing worked. Oh, nothing worked. And it seemed like I'd wind up gaining more, gaining the more. Until I started praying prayers, like my husband said, prayers of consecration. I started learning how to live like a priest and a king. Not under the law system. Not under the law. How easy, what kind of heart do you have? The reason they gave, that God gave the, them the law is because they were rebellious. They didn't have any heart for him, and he had to keep them gather, together as a nation until Jesus came. It was because of transgression. They didn't want God. They rejected his voice, and they rejected the glory. They didn't want to see the glory on Moses' face. 
and they complained and murmured, thinking God, every time God did a miracle, it was like, you know, they wound up murmuring and complaining, like some of us do. <laughs> but anyway, as I, but the Lord started teaching me to pray prayers of consecration. And that's what all that Awaken Pray ministry was all about. I was teaching on prayer and then living towards it. So I had, you know, I was like, yeah, I got to, this has got to be worked into my life. I learned how to live. I had a lot of revelation he began to show me about the priesthood of Jesus. And I began to learn how to live by grace. I knew the doctrine of grace. The, that doctrine set me free from the bondage that I was in. But I learned something beyond that. I learned how to serve the Lord with grace in my heart. With grace in my heart. I think of your heart as not being your spirit. I think of your heart as like your inward man. I think of it like a house. Like a house. You know, you got a living room. You got a kitchen. You got bedrooms so forth and it was like I was letting the Lord come sit at my kitchen table I'd say Lord you can come talk to me and fellowship with me at my kitchen table or you can come in my living room you can come with me in the kitchen but you stay out of my refrigerator you stay out of my refrigerator don't mess with my sugar you know my sweet things, you know. And um, so I'm telling all, on myself. Um, so don't y'all look at me with that sanctimonious look like you have at a, no, never mind. <laughs> but anyway, so like I said, I was at a service one day, and it was like and the minister said under the old covenant, they used to, they would offer the animal sacrifices, and the Lord told him one day, he said, I can't burn what's not offered. I can't burn what's not offered. And I realized I needed to let him in my refrigerator. I need to let him in. You know, some of us, maybe it's something else. You know, you can come in my bedroom, but don't you look under my bed. Or don't you look in my closet. Or don't you go in my bathroom. Don't you look at my medicine cabinet. I mean, you know, we, there are unconsecrated areas of our life. This is what a priest and a king does. You offer these areas to the Lord. You don't offer God. The, the, the typology in the Old Testament was offering an animal without spot or blemish. You are not some mangy, old, uh, flea-bitten animal that you found out in the woods somewhere. You are to offer, these, these animals were practically their pets, well taken care of, that they offered. They loved them. When God told Abraham, offer this son whom you love. The son of promise. And God wanted that. Him to offer him. You know. It's kind of how, how I felt about my, my Lord. 
you know that I I love my sweets. You know, you want that? You know. And so he, uh, I offered it. I offered to him the way I ate, and I was amazed, amazed what God did. And I have lost a lot of weight. I won't say how much, <laughs> but um, I've lost a lot of weight. Now, it took me a while to lose it, but he, I, could, I could fast. I could go without, but it was his grace. What he does, like what he demonstrated with those animals, sacrifices, is what would happen to those animals. They would be killed. They would be offered up. They would be killed, and then they would be burned. And that's what he does when you offer something. When you come to the Lord and you offer something, you know, you offer yourself a living uh, sacrifice. Not those, I'm talking about those areas that you don't really want to let go of. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the hard things, okay? You don't want to let go of that offer to the Lord. And what he does, at the fire of God, it was always the fire of God. It, they couldn't offer any strange fire. No, in, no, it wasn't any kind of fire that could burn it. It was the fire of God. Consumed the sacrifice. And it was turned to ash. And once something is ash, guess what? It is gone. When I started learning this and praying prayers of consecration and offering things, that really took some time and some some thought and some not just something not just something haphazard or anything i mean i really offered an area of my life to him i was amazed then what happens he gives you his grace just like when abraham offered isaac what did god give he gave his son Jesus. Hallelujah. In this place of worship, you are changed because you receive his grace. In Hebrews, the latter part of Hebrews, it says, We serve, uh, we have a kingdom that shall not be shaken. So serve the Lord acceptably with grace. In your hearts. Hallelujah. Praise God. So this was a challenge. This was a challenge that Kent spoke about occupying a throne. Don't you believe that that's really what it became easy? After I began to learn to offer those things, that was hard for me to offer but once I offered him, the grace that he gave me to overcome was amazing grace. Amazing. And that's how we're to live. I want to read one more scripture I have time for. And this is, this is kind of a prophetic scripture. It's in the, this, the Bible. Okay, uh, chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 
Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and, com and commanding to abstain from meats. This was a big deal for them. Like I said, um, they were still in Jewish law. See, they were teaching Jewish law. And um, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And I'm going to tell you something. I learned that he didn't just want to take all the sugar away from me. Uh, it, it, you can eat all things. I, you Enjoy your food. You know, it's, he gave you all things richly to enjoy. But uh, it was like he doesn't want you to be caught up in surfeiting. That means overindulging. That's where the sin is. That's where the sin is. And I'm not saying, you know, to live on potato chips and, and, and ice cream, you know, I'm, but he, he actually puts a desire in you. It's just like his speed limit sign. It's like good principles of temperate principles just enter into your heart. And you just do them because the grace is there. Hallelujah. How easy is that? How easy is that? It's liberating. Hallelujah. And he taught me so many things. And so I use that as an example. But there are many things that can be an example. I want to say one more thing. Let's see. Okay. I want to tell you what Paul, the apostle, calls a good minister. Or what, yeah, Paul the Apostle calls a good minister. Let's read on down. Verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. If it be, refu if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, he's talking to Timothy, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And he goes on and talks about Jewish fables and um, philosophies and so forth. Sometimes ministers of today, and, and if I had time to read all the scripture that I wanted to, that I got all this out of, he got in the first part of Timothy, in the first chapter, he's talking to Timothy. He doesn't want any minister, any minister that teaches the law, any point of the law of Moses, he won't let them. He doesn't want Timothy to receive them as teachers in his church. Okay, so take that. <laughs> Listen, there are a lot of little things that as I've studied this, like, for example, Old Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. Take one, um, I mean, Old Jerusalem, Heavenly Jerusalem. 
you know, we think something wonderful is going to happen. There's a lot of concentration. There's a lot of um, emphasis on the natural Jerusalem in our day. But Paul, if you read his writings, he was focused on what? The heavenly Jerusalem. He says the heavenly Jerusalem is the mother of us all. And he says the, the earthly one is in bondage until now and will be in bondage till the time of the Gentiles is over. So what should our focus be on? I don't have to tell you all the focus of the church on Israel. I mean, there's a scripture, and I'm going to be bold to say this, because it's time for it to be said, because there are doctrines of devils. And I tell you what, our church has never been, I've never seen people, how the devil is going around seeking whom he can devour, and he's trying to pick them off with, with seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And the reason Kent's so pa passionate about cessationists is that's one of them, that's one doctrine that is, that is picking them off. Another thing that's picking them off, I know spirit-filled Christians who now go, who are now saying that the law of Moses is what we should be doing. And they don't use the Gregorian calendar. They use the Hebrew calendar. Be careful of this. Be careful of this. And I know some good people that are involved in this. They go to Shabbats instead of, you know, services you know, Christian church services. There's doctrines of devils that talk about that we're the kingdom of God and that, that, that Christianity and, uh, and the church and Judaism is just going to merge like this. And that's how we become one man. No, that is, a, that is an insult to the cross of Christ. He made, by the cross of Christ, he made out of two one new man and you must be born again that's what he said hallelujah praise god well i think i have to end it there i wish i could say more but i'm i i sense that time is is going but the other thing that he said in in uh, galatians he said that is any man comes preaching any other gospel than the gospel of grace this gospel this is the gospel of grace the old things are gone they have been obsoleted and the new things are of god that those are the things that we should live in hallelujah his grace is so sufficient hallelujah praise the lord i hope all of you will become, you'll do what I did. Consecrate your heart to the Lord. Press in. Press into the heavenly calling. Listen, eternal, this life is short. It's short. It really is. But eternity is a long time. How you stand, the ranking of in heaven is so important because throughout eternity, you will sit on that throne. You will be part of the infrastructure. You will be part of the government of the world to come. That's a high aspiration. But that's what he pressed into, the high calling. The high calling.
He can do anything. There's nothing impossible with our God. And he's justified you. And he's made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I hope you'll read my little thing. And um, as I'm praying, I'll just tell the testimony of it. Of course, um, righteousness, sin, he he who knew no sin became sin. That the righteousness of God, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And... I, I learned that. I learned that doctrine. I knew it. But in the hospital, when I went in, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Y'all know, y'all have heard me say this testimony. But I was, uh, the, the doctors, I had come in because I couldn't walk. And the doctors didn't give me much hope and of, of, of getting, gaining anything back. And I was to the point... Uh, I was, I was experiencing paralysis in my legs, both legs. And um, they said that I came, I was there two days. In two days, I would have been, it would have been too late. It would have been, my spinal cord would have been severed. A, a tumor was growing into one of my vertebras and pressing up against my spinal column and would have severed it. And that was the reason for the surgery was just so it wouldn't get any worse. They had no promise that I would get my feeling back or anything. Somebody had been praying for me and called me and um, said, um, you know, we, we are, um, we, we've been praying for you and you're going to have an encounter with the Lord. I said, I'll take that, you know, and I did. And I saw him. I saw the father. It, many times I picture him in my mind, you know. And sometimes I wonder if I'm really seeing him or I'm, that's just my imagination. My, it's just my spiritual eyes. And I do believe it is. And in this case, it, is, it was. I was worshiping him, and I was saying this phrase over and over. I said, I and you and you and me. I never felt so one with his plans and purposes for my life is in that moment. I had been praying prayers of a consecration at that point. And I, I really wanted this whole healing. I knew healing was mine. I didn't have any doubts about that. And I knew he was, I knew I was healed. I, I, even though I didn't, that all the symptoms were terrible. But um, I said, I and you and you and me. And then the scene kind of changed, and I saw Jesus laying on a surgical table. And um, I saw the way the Father was looking at Jesus, his gaze toward Jesus laying on that surgical table. And um, it was not only just a look of pure love, you know, just absolutely pure love, but what I would describe it as is favor, just 100% favor. There wasn't anything he wouldn't do for Jesus, nothing. Nothing would he withhold from his own son. You believe that? I know you do. 
And, but I realized it wasn't Jesus that was going to be on the surgical table the next day. It was me. And it was like what I saw in that and what the Lord showed me is the same way I see Jesus and look at him, I look at you with that same favor. Exactly the same. There is no difference. I knew I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was nothing he would withhold from me. And I just want you to know, I couldn't do that. And I wasn't expected to get it back. But I got all my movement back. Now, all that's really left is me to get strong. You know, it has taken a while to get strong. But I give God glory and honor. Give God glory and honor. It was he, he just did something for me. But that's the power of righteousness. He can do it for all of you. He did it for me. Now, that piece of paper has just what I spoke tonight. And you can read it. And it's not a complete teaching on sin versus righteousness. But you take it from here. You, you. I'm just trying to show you that that, that, that became a testimony. I experienced what righteousness is. Hallelujah. And it, it changed my life. And I'm, I'm the righteousness of God even now. And he still favors me. And he favors you too. You've been justified. You've been justified. Hallelujah. You're not unclean. Some unclean sinner anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God indeed. And this is what Paul was raised up. An army of people to preach his gospel. He said, if you don't preach this gospel that I came, if I come back and I teach you another gospel, if I teach you something else, he said, which is not another gospel, but he said, Can, let him be cursed. That's a strong statement. Don't ever come against grace. Don't frustrate grace. We should serve the Lord with grace in our hearts and don't put any law on anybody, not even yourself. That's what he cleansed me of, is laws that I even formed for myself and expected God to go, to go along with me when I sinned against my own law that I made in my own flesh. We do this all the time. And I come and repent before God for not doing what I purpose to do. And the Lord told me one time, he says, I didn't put you under any law. Why are you coming to me? You sinned against your own law. I didn't have anything to do with that law that you put on yourself. Not that you can't make plans to do well, but it was just don't put yourself in a place of condemnation where condemnation can come. There is therefore now no condemning sentence on you. He's justified you. He's on your side now. Hallelujah.